your Georgia Bulldogs are SEC champions once again, completing a 13-0 season, undefeated back-to-back with a, with a win over LSU 50-30. to As always, I'm Cheeto, and with me is my co-host, Keegan. And welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. I do it for the dogs. Dude, a 50 piece? A 50 Cons- piece. Consider the revenge tour completed with uh, LSU being one of the last teams that we really needed to get back, especially going back to 2019. We talked about it on the last podcast, but this this was a game. This was a treat for Georgia fans, especially in Atlanta, where a lot of us got to, you know, be there firsthand or tailgate, or it felt like it was in the backyard. Great game. Uh Keegan, your instant reaction. I know it's been a few days now, but the significance of what Kirby is doing with this program, we are at heights that this program has never seen. And the best part, we're not done. Yeah, dude. It's like the progress is undeniable. The success is evident, but I just like that Georgia is competing with itself at this point. Like there's plenty of any, any program in the country would, you know, trade places with Georgia to be returning national champion, to be playing in a conference title game, to be, you know, really tabbed to have a guaranteed lock spot in the playoff. Any, any team in the country would want that. But for Georgia, it's not, it's not quite enough because what Georgia is really trying to do is kind of based out of the Nick Saban Alabama model, but straight from the mind of Kirby Smart and, you know, his standard includes his goals include, SEC championships and that's a mark that they hadn't really been hitting and they hit it this last Saturday so yeah like we're we're competing with ourselves it's kind of like equated to this you see this guy at the gym just jacked built low body fat percentage and you're like dude like you know save some save some weights for me like what else do you have to gain but you know someone like that They have their own little micro metrics, you know, like like a two and a half pound weight added to a max or, you know, all to say they're just on a totally different like mindset of what they're trying to achieve in the gym versus that person who's hitting the planet fitness, no offense, right on, you know, January 1st, new year, new me. That's, that's Florida. That's the Tennessees. That's, that's the people that are, you know, uh, I heard this thing recently and it relates to this. It's like it's better to go for evolution over transformation because if you're constantly seeking a transformation, you're really wanting like a short flip of the burger. You know what I mean? Just like let me just pop this off, transform it all, take it to another, you know, a whole new me. But Georgia's we're just evolving. You know, Georgia's just evolving. So, at, you know, it's going to mean less in the future to get into the playoff but it's still going to mean a whole hell of a lot and it might even mean more when the sec conference is bigger more competitive more elite teams you know 
So we're we're putting numbers on the wall, and yeah, I really like what we did, and dude, we're just competing with ourselves, which is a good place to live at. So, uh, no no new year, new me for Georgia. It's all just keep on keeping on. So how yeah. how do you feel? I love the weightlifter analogy because what people don't tell you is when you start getting into the gym. For those who may be uh, avid goer, avid or avid goers, intermediate or beginner, is you kind of get this uh body dysmorphia. Like you're always once you get into a shape that you're happy with, it's always like, I want to do this better. I want to be better here. And that's exactly what the university of Georgia is doing. We are perfecting our style of play. We're not compete. We're not competing with other teams, other top four teams, Alabama anymore. We are setting our own standard and we have this preparation. We have the way we go about things. And I think it was shown on the field very early in the game when the university of Georgia blocked the field goal, and, you know, LSU players weren't paying attention. Some Georgia players were running off. But Chris Smith, who admitted after the game that they've had study sessions, film sessions, where Kirby where Kirby told them about – and, yeah, where Kirby told them about this type of situation, how it's not a, it's not like an extra point, like where the ball's dead. If you see nobody there, if you touch it, you got to go and score. And that just, I think, says volumes and volumes about Kirby and about Will Muschamp and the preparation that you have in that room. And that, a touchdown like that, your percentage of winning a game goes way up when you score a non-offensive touchdown. Kirby says it all the time. And that's firsthand right there. And I just love seeing it come to fruition on the field. I love it. I love it. I love it. That play was awesome. I love that play. And Chris Smith looked like like a a young uh a young youth in like elementary school gym class when he's looking both ways. He's like, should I do it? <laughs> yeah. He kind he kind of reminds me like this is no uh disrespect in the comparison, but when I'm throwing the ball with my dog and he's about to like take off in one way or another, like he's like, Are we playing? You chasing? <laughs> yeah, football? is this for real? <laughs> Are we going? He just looks so happy. He's like, Fuck. I imagine the ref too. I imagine looking at the ref and the ref just like, mm-hmm, if you want it, if you want it, buddy. And, like, oh, oh, and then just takes off. And those are huge, huge plays. And I think that really set the tone because when I, when I was watching it, everybody um, in the restaurant that we were watching it was just, is this, is this live? Is this like a thing? And like, we were kind of confused too. So just really goes to the preparation and uh, this this was, a, this was a great game. Uh, Keegan, with some other highlights or things that you wanted to talk about from this game um, that stuck out well, to you? The fact that we didn't have to have 50 and we went for two, I mean, that's just perfect. <laughs> like, I don't know if Kirby was just looking at the old, you know, box scores of what LSU had done to us over the last few years. He's like, you know what, I, I'm feeling a 50-piece, like, I don't I don't necessarily understand 50-piece McNug, got to love it. Exactly. You know, A.D. Mitchell back in the game, throwing a beautiful pass to none other than the Darnell Washington. That was a beautiful play in my mind. And just the ability to, uh, you know, keep keep pushing things, even just getting that field goal. That was a I think it came off a big sack from Chambliss, which, you know, we haven't seen a lot of monstrous plays for him. But it was just, a great sack. Yeah. Our depth just shows in these kind of moments. We got a lot of players that were young at the beginning that have developed. So just seeing the the names that pop up in a moment like that, you know, just throughout the game is is great. And I felt like that, you know, LSU came to play. They they just got behind early. And I didn't agree with necessarily uh, Brian Kelly's full assertion that it was a lot closer than it appeared. I mean, any team that gets beat real bad is always going to say that. Tennessee said the same thing. 
Yeah, they, people just, I mean, sure, I get, I get that mindset if you're on the opposing side. But the idea that, you know, okay, you got a blocked field goal, right? That that's kind of starts it off with that touchdown. We mentioned that. LSU comes back down, beautiful, a beautiful drive. And that, you know, the first drive was pretty good that led them to getting that uh, blocked field goal for they us. They converted on third several times. Yeah, so they had two really nice drives in a row, and uh, they score. We come back, we score, and now it's – isn't that right? And then the next play, the next big play for Georgia is that – we can talk about it. The the triple bounce volleyball off the toe, off the head, interception, huge turnover, very next play, touchdown, Lad McConkey, Stetson to Lad. So, I mean, that, that sequence of events early on, you know, we, we've seen it before in other games where Georgia just gets out ahead early with these explosive plays. And, I mean, even if you're playing your best game, it's just, for one, it's demoralizing. For two, if you're playing a team with a, as high quality of offense as Georgia, it's hard, to, it's hard to catch up. And, dude, like, those these Atlanta games, and we'll talk about it as, as our uh, as Peach Bowl talk goes on, but just the fact that we keep – I mean, SEC Championship's always there, but, dude – Dogs in Atlanta, it was like a 70-30 split. It's just like it's it's we're just very comfortable there. And I I mean, God, most of our very explosive plays throughout the season. I mean, that Oregon game was kind of as well as we did throughout the season. We've we literally were just we put we put uh you know this the settings on rookie mode, we put everyone at 99 and just balled out on Oregon. It's that's how it looked. So I mean, we we really just are like cutting soft butter, and when it comes to playing in uh, Mercedes Benz, we've Georgia. had we've had very very good <laughs> games. We've had very very good games in Atlanta. I think that bodes well for going forward. And as we talked about in the last podcast, getting the number one seed allowed us to play in Atlanta again versus Ohio State, and then we'll do our preview on that. But offensively and defensively, this team is rounding into form. The fifty piece aside, which was great, that tells me that the offense was clicking and especially Kendall Milton, who has had a good last couple games and is rounding into four. What what do you think the presence or the emergence, reemergence of Kendall Milton is going to mean to this offense going forward, Keegan? Well, considering he's coming back next year is just great for the team morale and, you know, talent projection and all those kind of things. But, yeah, we got a two-headed monster, but really it's like a three-headed monster. I mean, we've not seen as much spice and pop from Dejon Edwards, but we only really need it from – one or two guys and the fact that a lot of times it's situational it's like me I could run the ball you could run the ball and then if our buddy Chris comes in on the next play you know they're kind of expecting run sometimes it's just the matter of being like that third guy so and that's and that's good throughout the regular season where you don't want anybody to get too worn out and then you go to your the hot hand right the playoffs is all about the hot hand everybody may not see touches but let your lead horses lead the way well from my perspective Kendall Milton's more healthy and, you know, he's developing as a there player. You go. It's getting better. So it's the combination of those things, but don't leave it to me. Ask, you know, any of the players and Kirby himself mentioned his pad level getting better. I mean, yes. it's, you know, which is a huge factor. I'm, I played a lot of line. I'm always looking at pad level. You know, it's a, it's a huge factor. It's a huge technique kind of a correlative measurement that's going to show kind of where you stand and, you know, there's been guys in the past where they got the pad level, but they just don't have the balance to stay off, mm-hmm. you know, like on their feet. Kendall is super athletic. 
I really like the way he's playing. Uh, I mean, at this at one point in the season, it was definitely Kenny Mack, but it's you know it's it's a good problem to have when you're looking at your three backs. And you Absolutely, don't really know which one's the best, and they're all really good. So. And look at the last two weeks from him. Last week at Georgia Tech, he had a 44 yard run for a touchdown, and then I'm not sure exactly how long it was in the LSU game, but it was a 50 plus yarder. He is rounding into form at the right time, and you love to see it. And not only is Kendall rounding into form, but this offense as a whole is doing the same thing. Looking at the stats, we had 275 passing yards on the day with 255 rushing yards to boot. That is a very dangerous thing when you think about how explosive this offense is. A 50-piece, top 10 in the nation in scoring. You have um, Stetson doing his thing. It's it's the perfect time to round into form. And while we're going to talk about Stetson here in a second, I also want to talk about what we saw from the defense because I know a lot of people are upset with the yards that we gave up to LSU. But like you said just a moment ago, we got out in front early. And if there's one thing that we Kirby does when he gets out in front early, he's going to run, he's going to run the ball. He's going to drain the clock. He's going to give your offense less possessions. Tennessee, after we beat them and said, oh, we only lost by 14. You lost by 14 because the rain started coming down and we stopped attacking aggressively. We controlled the game and we didn't put all our plays out there. And that's, that's what makes Kirby so great because you, he's not going to give you all the film. And by the time you understand what's coming, it's too late. And that's last week and we're moving forward. So um, what did you think, though, about this soft zone defense that gave LSU? Because both Daniels and the backup quarterback came out and were slinging the rock all over the place. Um, initial thoughts on that. I guess Kirby has a lot of confidence in his guys. I think that's what it boils down to is that we're playing – a little bit more conservative with confidence, you know. I don't like it when you play conservative with a lead and really based out of fear, like, oh, God, hope they hope they don't catch up, hope they don't do this, hope they don't do that. I know back in the day, uh, my dad always talks about Liam Bennett. I don't even know who the hell he coached for, but he, he really traumatized my dad. He's like, they're doing the Liam Bennett. Anytime he, <laughs> he says it every time. I think it was the Falcons coach or a Georgia coach. It was one That's of funny. them, but, they're, they're playing not to lose instead of playing to win, which, you know, anytime you're doing that, that's bad. So I think, you know, moving forward, maybe with some of the next teams that are going to be more explosive. We might want to watch that and just, you know, I, I don't have a problem with Georgia doing that because Georgia has gotten to this elite level at playing at uh, elite complementary football. What is elite complementary football versus just an elite offense or elite defense? It's, it's really just like, you know, it's, it's, taking a step back, you know, it's, it's kind of like mixed martial arts. I'm not an expert on it, but like, let's say you got a really good stand-up game. Okay. That's your offense, but you got no ground game. It's a good analogy. Yeah. Okay. Styles now, make fights too, right? Especially in the fighting world. Exactly. So you're really relying on just a, a couple of hits, a combination, something, but if you get put on your back, it's a problem. So it's nighttime for you. It is. So, I mean, with Georgia, you know, and, and but here again, speaking of the MMA, the whole analogy I was trying to point is the fact that is the elite people might they might not be the very best at one thing. It's that they're really, really good at everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't you, rest. You can't rest yeah. as the opposition. You can rest nowhere. Exactly. And and just like MMA, you you will get very far if you are elite at one of the categories. You really will. You you really will. But to, to be able to, you know, let's say you got that great stand-up, but you don't have the good ground game. Well, dude, at, at the very least, you're going to have to 
make it better. You, you can't have no ground game. Because an elite <laughs> opponent, what's an elite opponent's game plan going to be? Exactly. Just get you to the ground. That's, you know and, what I mean? And that can happen so fast when they're elite at what you're weak at. It's really we, hard. We saw that with Khabib and Connor. You know yes. what I mean? Like Absolutely. Connor's great striker, pretty, pretty solid on the ground, but Khabib is elite at the ground and damn good striker too. And that, you know, bringing it back to football, that's what Georgia's got going on. It's like they don't need to be the best at anything. If they're just in that B plus, A minus range, really, really good all around. The thing is, is if you have that well-rested defense, and we saw it when, you know, Georgia, uh, when uh, when we scored quick, we had to come right back on the field. They were gassed. You know, they gave up a touchdown uh, pretty immediately. And that kind of speaks to why it's good to have a ground game. It's Absolutely. good to stretch out drives. You don't want your team to score an immediately, 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 a.k.a., you know, fast forward to Ohio State or Alabama this year or whoever. If that's your – you know, that's not a bad strategy to score. If You know, that's not a bad strategy to focus on your stand-up, but you're leaving yourself vulnerable. And complementary football really squashes that uh, – it squashes the vulnerability, and that was what I was most impressed with overall is that, yeah, we – we had some zone defense. They were able to kind of take advantage. But Georgia's at the level where we can kind of play with that. Now, it's kind of dangerous. I would like to see us be aggressive. We Just will. like if you, got, if you got the lead and you're playing offense, you you know, go for two. We need to, you know, have more stunts, we have will. some things kind of keeping guys on their toes. But, yeah, overall, I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's really when you're playing not to lose that it's conservative ball has, you know, a, a – and it, it really should take issue. What did you think of, you know, like you said, more zone, more ability? Their backup, Garrett, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, I mean, they're going to have a whole QB controversy, and they'll we'll let them do the podcast on that. But, I mean, he played really well. He He's a stud, and he, you know, he looked like Joe Burrow Jr. in there for a minute. So what were your thoughts on that? And to be honest, I, I'm really not worried because I know and I've seen, go back just to the Tennessee game, go back to Oregon, when, when Kirby has this defense playing bump and run man coverage, we're the best. We we suffocate receivers. We put pressure on the quarterback and expect that to be the game plan going in to Ohio State. Again, the zone defense is just Kirby not showing his hand. Like people get so worked up and it is a thing. But if anything, Kirby's going to use that as motivation from now until New Year's Eve. So expect a lot of man coverage, bump and run. And somebody who is very good at what they do, going back to the MMA analogy, being elite, is Jalen Carter. I think Jalen Carter just made himself a lot of money. And if you didn't know, he is number one. Maybe Jaden Daniels didn't know, but when he burst through the line and juked out one offensive lineman and stiff-armed another one, went down on his knees and picked up Daniels back there, Jaden Daniels, and held up number one with one arm. I mean, again, when you look, when I looked around the people in the room watching the same thing I did, everyone's just like, oh, oh, he, he didn't pick him up. I don't like know a, if I've ever seen that. Like a baby under his arms, dude. Literally, like a grown man picking up a little child. Like, I got you. I'm going to save you. I could slam you down in the turf here, but I ain't going to do that. <laughs> and so. even Jaden Daniels, like you saw. On, yeah, like, he was laughing. Like, what just happened? <laughs> he's giggling. He's like, hey, put me down, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this this kid is different. And I think that really, for the people that weren't a believer in Jalen Carter, I think they really realized just then, like, oh, 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 okay. That's the guy y'all been talking about since last year. No knock on Will Anderson, but no one bullies Jalen Carter. Like, he's he's so dominant at his position. It's ridiculous. 100%. Like, 
He's just that dominant. I would not be surprised if he's the next number one pick. For Absolutely. Year. And um, the passing yards aside, because LSU had a good get game passing the ball and backup quarterbacks are like our kryptonite. We won the turnover battle on the day, three to one. And then we had four sacks on the day. So great job from the defense. But somebody I've got to give credit to, somebody who plays at an elite level when it comes to playoff games or postseason play is Stetson Bennett, the mailman himself. He finished the day 23 of 29, 275 yards and four touchdowns. And honestly, in my opinion, a game that sent him or got him an invitation to New York as a Heisman finalist. Keegan, I know you've, you had a lot to say about Stetson and his play in the postgame at the University of Georgia. Please let, let Dog Nation know what this performance and what his performances over the past year and a half have meant or season and a half or two seasons now have meant to the UJ program. Well, Stetson has left his legacy as a winner. He's left his legacy in the story of what he's accomplished. He's left, you know, an imprint among all the players for the kind of dude he is on the team, but to be able to be this elite in the big moments, I mean, that is what separates the good from the great from the legend. I mean, people talk all the time about, you know, you know, goats and, in, in other sports, they'll talk about, you know, uh, you know, was it MJ? Was it, was it Kobe? You know, they'll look at stats. They'll look at, you know, championships. They'll look at wins. And then, you know, and then just on merit alone, you know, game winners, uh, seasons that they had elite, you know, talent, you know, some people think LeBron's the goat just because he beat the greatest Warriors team you know, or one of the greatest teams ever assembled, as they put it. And, the, you know, we know in sports that greatness often doesn't just come from the many things you think it comes from, but it comes from the clutch factor. And that is something that Stetson has been able to do really better than anybody invited to the Heisman dance. I mean, I understand there's, there is criticism and, and blowback about who Stetson is, who he isn't. You know, he's just no, you know, he's just in there because he's he plays for Georgia or he's he's just doing this blah blah blah, you know, all of it. I've heard it. But the thing is, is Georgia's had plenty of great quarterbacks that just haven't played that big in the big moment. Like there's been several, you know, great quarterbacks who haven't made that big pass that that haven't stepped up and really are the clear MVP of a big game. Like He's not, he hasn't been the MVP of every big game. So, you know, some programs, they're, they're not at the luxury to, you know, to where they need their quarterback to be the MVP every single game. You know, that's just, again, Georgia's playing an elite complementary football, which is the elitist form of football. And that's where, you know, we don't necessarily need Stetson to do that. But when the game is close, when the talent is better and, Georgia's going to be tested. Stetson has been that dude. And, like, I sent you a stat throughout the week, and it, I, I don't take credit. I don't even know who made this Excel spreadsheet. You know, Georgia fans are freaking crazy. They, they they should probably be working in the middle of the day. They're out here making Excel spreadsheets. But I against follow, the week, I follow the dude on Twitter. He's, he's really good. Bring up the stat, and I'm going to see if I can find him while I'm on Twitter. It, it could have been that Brooks Austin dude. He, he makes a lot of that kind of junk. But it's not, it, That one's not Brooks, I don't believe. But okay, um, I don't know. Get the stat for him, and I'll find okay, him. Okay, but, but either way, Stetson, Max Duggan, Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Hendon Hooker, all, all great quarterbacks, all deserve the nods. And, you know, I would have 
we should, you know, we should make it a five, eight person invite where people like Hendon can get injured and invited. I, I do, I do think that was a shame, but at the end of the day against elite play, which is what we're really talking about here, you know, against top 25 teams, uh, Stetson leads in touchdowns. Uh, he has the next two best, you know, touchdown interception with 13 to two. Next would be Caleb Williams, the guy that everyone's saying it will be the highest one, 12 to two. Uh, QBR, he's got the highest QBR. He's got uh, tied with Caleb Williams for rush touchdowns at four. You know, he's a straight five for five, and he's got the highest uh, completion percentage and the highest, uh, well, no, second highest to Caleb Williams' amount of yards. But that's the nitty gritty. It really doesn't even freaking matter, but that is against the elite talent that's the hot that's the toughest competition against top 25 teams sure if Stetson Bennett played a bunch of scrubs every week and we just wanted to unleash the Stetson and get his numbers as high as possible I'm sure he could have as high numbers as any of those guys based on how well and effectively Georgia's offense has flowed but against elite competition when you you know you, you need people like your quarterback to step up Stetson is not a game manager. A game manager doesn't do better than all the other Heisman hopefuls. It doesn't matter how good your team is. It doesn't matter. Like, there's not – I mean, I don't even know if, like, any of the quarterbacks in Georgia's past who are that good, who we really honor and I respect them, they're great QBs, I don't know if any of them would do as good as Stetson because I think Stetson has an edge to him. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder – I think he's hyper-competitive in big moments. He's got the MJ factor, the LeBron factor. He, he doesn't look like either one of them, but I'm just saying he, when it's time to put up or shut up, would it be better to shut up? Either way, he shuts them up and he puts up big stats. He kills it. Stetson's the dude when it counts, and that's kind of my take on you know his, his uh, belonging in the conversation. You can't tell me he doesn't belong when he outplays – the t- the elite quarterbacks when it matters the most like it's not if it was a statistical competition in a statistical award we wouldn't need to vote we would just do math we would just be like okay he's got the this guy's got the most touchdowns he gets the heisman it's not the touchdown award so that's my that's my <laughs> so that just depends again the people it's just like the mvp in basketball is it the best player or is it the most statistical you can have the argument all day Stetson's numbers warrant consideration for him being there. And honestly, I think he played himself into the, into the foreign invitation in the last game. And I'll, I'll be, I'll play devil's advocate here because this is how I've always seen it. Going back to the JT Daniels thing. um, I think Stetson's success is, has a lot to do with his experience, the culture of the UGA program, his development, but where I would fall short is just, just looking at our roster Stetson's not even one of the top five players on our team. Is it disrespect? Absolutely not. If it was just postseason play, he should win it. He should have won the Heisman for the last two years, honestly. He's been that good. He's just – it's. but when you look at most Heismans through the past years, those players would have the highest rating, have the highest NFL dra- draft stock, whatever you want. But it, but it doesn't matter. Kurt, um, Stetson's not going to lose a lot of sleep. And, for for example, though, Jalen Carter – one of the best on our team. Brock Bowers, one of the best on our team. Keely Ringo, one of the best on our team. And you can even throw in Broderick Jones. Maybe you can make an argument to where Stetson falls in there with Chris Smith, um, Warren McClendon, and Amarius Mims. Like these 
these guys are really good players. It's not a knock on Stinnett. It just, Stetson Bennett. I keep calling him Stinnett. Stetson Bennett. It just is what it is. And that's okay. And I hope this invitation inspires him to continue the way he's played. I don't think he's going to win it, but he doesn't need to win it. He ended up winning the Bullsworth award, which is for the best walk on. And that's, that's a lot of credit to his career. Like the, you know, the Rudy story was, has always been a thing. Stetson has smashed that story into pieces to go on and win a national championship and maybe go back to back. Stetson is Rudy two point. Oh, times a thousand. Like he's, he's, he's going to go down as a legend UJ history. He's not the best player in the country and that is okay. It's the both, both of them can be true, but I'll tell you who is really good and best at their position. That's one Brock Bowers who is the first tight end in UGA history to win the Mackey Award. A lot of people think he should have won it last year, but elite as elite can be. What do you what do you think Brock Bowers has meant to the UJ program, but ultimately even the landscape of college football? I think people see that Georgia is like getting the best tight ends, Darnell Washington at number two, and just mismatches all over the field. What do you think that he's meant for the program? Well, Brock Bowers has been like our best clutch player overall on offense. I mean, offense really just ran through Brock last year. He sent Jermaine Burton packing. He had receivers that really wanted to go to Georgia, wondering if they even get the ball, which I mean, you know, everyone wants the ball. But yeah, Brock Brock has done an amazing job just putting a another face to the program and just the level of success recruiting and evaluation. I mean, Brock was obviously going to be a really good player coming out of high school, but dude is like, off the charts compared to where other people have tabbed him at. And Georgia's just really, really hitting on, on their evaluation. Like their evaluation department needs to get an MVP and, you know, Brock deserved it maybe, maybe last year, but I think, you know, tying that conversation in with the Stetson conversation, just these media awards in general, that's all they are. They're media awards. Like there's probably other people that didn't get invited to the Heisman that were probably deserving for whatever reason, just objectively, if we could really dig in, you know, be a football God and just all knowing and such, but like Brock maybe should have got it last year and now he's got the name recognition. So he gets it this year. So it's like, can I make one comment about Brock as far as the talent? I want to just go back to somebody in Georgia history who popped this way very early on. It's a lot like how evident, how special, just like Todd Gurley was, I think his freshman year, he returned to kick off one of the opening. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, just elite from the jump. You, you saw it in Todd Gurley. If you, if you know what a football player looks like, it was very evident. Brock Bowers came in and did the same thing his and first year. Absolutely. And going off, I knew, I almost knew you were going to say Todd Gurley. When you say Todd Gurley, I think of someone that, dude, that guy was a Heisman caliber player. Yes, like, Absolutely. He, he missed those games for what would be fine. And you see what I'm saying? And dude, that's not a knock against Stetson, but you that's what you have to – that's the eye test that Stetson doesn't have, that a player like Gurley, that a player like Brock, even though they don't have the stats, it's a quarterback award. That's a Heisman caliber player. That's what we're seeing in Brock Bowers. We have a generational tight end. A yeah. generational tight end. For a fact. I totally agree. He's like the next Rob Gronkowski 2.0. I mean, yes. just the, the ability to be kind of the flex tight end is just amazing. But, and, you know, he might end up being like a Taysom Hill kind of guy because of the way he's been able to run the ball and who knows what kind of great career Brock Bowers has. And you, in hindsight, you can always judge these things, but just based on the college career, based or on Travis Kelsey, hey, amen to that. The Heisman has become a quarterback's award. Yes. 
It just it just is. And that's the yeah. position. That's how yeah. that's how influential I, I, the position is to offenses. And it's not a knock. That's just it's just what it is. It is, but it's it shouldn't be. It that shouldn't way. be, but it that's what it is. Yes. Here's yeah. what they might should do. I well, I guess I guess you don't want to put caps on positions, but I guess what I'm getting at is that yeah, Brock is like a Heisman. There, there's a lot of guys that are really like the MVP of our team, probably on more of an impactful lay, layer than what Stetson has done. And, you know, sp- you know, speaking of some a group that's had great success, the offensive line is in a finalist contention with uh, Michigan for the best offensive line in college football. You look across Georgia's team, there's like plenty of dudes that, who are nominated that should be nominated that are nominated that should win it that haven't been nominated. And, and we've got a list of them. We, and we, I mean, we need to talk about those guys as well, because we got a list of candidates and winners this year. It's been an amazing year for the University of Georgia individually and as team success as well. Well, top it off with the SEC coach of the year, Kirby smart. A lot of people said, you know, Josh Heupel deserves it. Kirby walks away with it. He beat Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? Josh Heupel's done a great job. Kudos to Josh Heupel. And the distinction, the AP writers voted for Josh Heupel as the coach of the year. The other coaches voted for Kirby. And I think the other coaches voting for Kirby says a lot, taking nothing away from Josh Heupel. But to lose all the – remember, everyone, the storyline was we lost all the draft people and um, we had to come back. And Tennessee was number one this year. And our our to, to be, go back-to-back – Come on now. If Tennessee wouldn't have fallen apart, I would have been fine with Heupel winning. But again, he's an offensive guy. Kirby's got the offense rolling, the defense rolling, the special teams rolling. Give me Kirby. Give me Kirby 10 times over. Absolutely. And, you know, people always want to talk about, rightfully so, the 15 dudes leaving to the draft. But what about the 13 guys leaving the transfers? And Great point. A small, a small portion of those guys being starters. Like, Great point. What? What in what world do 28 people leave 18 of them really contributors? And you look at that team and be like, Oh, they'll be in the national title next year. And they go undefeated and they're on their way to a national title. It's it's unheard of. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad the other coaches see it for what it is. The, the writers, again, writers are more about narrative and that's their job to sell a story, but coaches know what Kirby has done. And I think that just says a lot again, taking nothing away from Hypo. Uh, on top of that, I want to mention a couple other award winners because, again, plenty to go around for this UGA team. Um, not only did Kirby win SEC Coach of the Year and Brock Bowers, but Jalen Carter, Brock Bowers, and Chris Smith were all named to the first team All-American uh, selection, and that is huge in itself. Jack Podlesny, who has been Mr. Reliable for this team, Special Teams Player of the Year, SEC, SEC I believe, and then you mentioned that Michigan and Georgia are both in contention for the Joe Moore Award, which uh, credits the best offensive line, most physical, best unit, yada, yada, yada. In my heart of hearts, dude, I want C.J. Stroud to win the Heisman and then Michigan to win the Joe Moore Award so we <laughs> can be absolutely motivated and just embarrass both of them if that is who we end up playing in the finals. And I just think that would be so poetic uh, for that to happen. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the awards that we've won and the potential ones to come? Dude, I'll take all the chips on the shoulder we can get. And at the end of the day, we just have to keep competing with ourselves, keep keep getting better, keep focusing on our goals, because a lot of these awards are media-centric. 
they're for teams that get to play fourth quarters and in absolutely. absolutely. I mean, like we're talking about Stetson, like he's played four quarters. Like this dude's, he's only got, you know, he's got twenty five percent less stats. He's played twenty five percent less snaps, buddy. So it's just like you want to. We can break it down all these different ways, but at the end of the day, the, the awards are great. I think they come and correlate with a great program and speak to what Kirby Smart has done. But at the end of the day, it's it's mainly about being able to be in line with our goals and have success in our program. I love how you talk about the success of the program because the things that Kirby has put in place have led to this success. And that is success for the players, for multiple units, for multiple coaches. But the thing about Kirby is he does not stop and he is he's all about his grind. And that means his focus also turns to the future success of this program. And it was moments, it felt like moments after the SEC championship where Kirby and company hit the recruiting trail and we picked up a commitment from a very, very big prospect that we talked about in prior podcasts. And that is none other than my African brother, Woo! Samuel Mpemba, five-star edge from I IMG Academy, five-star. Uh, he is the one who came to University of Georgia on his visit and took all the pictures and had a personal one-on-one -on -one tour of Sanford Stadium with Kirby, wore the Kirby jersey. And this is, whew, I know we're, we're climbing the recruiting ranks, team ranks, as far as being the number one class, but don't pay attention to that. It's the types of players and filling the positions of need and getting these elite defensive players that make our class always one of the best, if not the best, in my opinion. Uh, but Keegan, your, your thoughts on Samuel's commitment and what he means to Kirby in this defense going forward. I mean, he's just a player that when I saw, I was like, man, that's the kind of guy we want. Just like, you know, Jalen Carter was a guy like that. Um, even even going back, you know, we talk about uh, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was a guy like that. It's yes. just like you look, at, you look at the film and Buddy just pops off the film. I mean, all these guys have great film. They're all good players. And if Kirby is going for him, I trust his judgment. But Samuel and Pimba is just one of those dudes that, like, he, he really just – his film just pops off. Like, he's got explosive ability, his strength, his – you know, the mix of the strength and the speed – it's another dude that fits the blueprint and this seems like an all around solid guy. And for Georgia moving forward, we're going to have to keep, keep on keeping on with the elite recruiting. Did now, you know he, he played tight end and wide receiver when he was at IMG Academy. I saw that. And he's, that, he's just now senior year, I think switched to DN. So he's raw, but I mean, who's a better coach than Schumann and Kirby smart. I mean, dude, that's scary with that I mean, type of athleticism. <laughs> amen. So last year it was Marvin Jones Jr. Facts. And Michael Williams. Facts. Yes. Same, same, yes. Same you know, mold. Years, years back we had Trayvon, Adam Anderson. Um, same you know, mold. So just just guys that there's not too many guys. Not like that. Who can who are at that tier? Your best edge guy is not at that tier. They're NFL you, size ready almost immediately, and they haven't even hit the college pro weight training program yet like it's scary it is it is so i mean i think when you get to the tippity tippity top what makes a difference is character and the kind of relationships that you can develop among your team because you don't want guys that are just you know it, there's there's plenty of guys that are good enough who they should be looking to play in time their first year 
But when you're recruiting guys that that's all they're concerned about, that's not the kind of guy that Georgia needs. And Georgia is at a very, 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 very crucial window in recruiting because things are changing in, in college football. Teams like Alabama are really facing it. The fan base is petrified. They're up in going arms. Back, going back a year or two ago, Alabama fans were scared because they know that while they can out-recruit, you know, like a rival like Auburn, they also know that Auburn has an elite reach, elite money. And some of these programs, it's not necessarily about how good their football is. It's about all the other factors, and nice. especially when you consider NIL. So if Georgia can maintain that, you know, which think of it like, uh, you know, you're, you're holding the castle, right? And you've got waves of orcs coming. And you see that you see that big wave with those, you know, take it back to Return of the King and you see those the ladders coming. Like, oh god, we gotta knock down these ladders. Like <laughs> if, if they if, if you can survive those kind of waves and still be in your castle, I mean I know that's you had a good day. You had a good day, buddy. But I'm just saying, like, there are certain things that are that are really gonna make Georgia vulnerable. Every program has vulnerabilities. We're looking at it. Now, if you can out transfer portal the transfer portal don't even need the transfer portal like this last year and 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 be able to recruit guys from inside your own program and develop talent and have walk-ons be heisman contenders and three stars be your best receiver and three stars like jordan davis be elite as he is when you can do all of that and still maintain you know the on paper recruiting talent composite that is going to give a lot of teams an edge. It doesn't equate to everything. We're seeing that with Georgia now because they haven't always had the number one, but hey, we're playing number one. But to be able to do that, this is such a crucial window. So if Georgia can lock in a couple more five stars and just have like a thing on paper where it's like, wow, like, yeah, they might have an off year, but you're going to expect this team to be a top 10 team just based on the talent composite. And who's to say, who's to say that we can't go to the transfer portal and fill in a gap or two? Like, Rara Thomas from Mississippi State is in the portal now. That is somebody that UJ has reached out to. What if we just go get one good contributor with the talent we already have that we're developing with the returning players? Like that makes Georgia very scary in the position that we're in. Exactly. If you can apply the kind of paranoia that makes a doomsday prepper really prepared for a fallout doomsday prep this georgia program oh my gosh what could happen if we're if we're getting the the cans of green beans and and we're just like holding in for dear life is hoping that we can amain the, maintain this level of elite play like dude this is our window like this is our doomsday prepping because i don't i'm not saying we're always going to be i mean i talked about you know boldly saying we're going to win multiple national championships in the 20s but at the same time i'm not saying we're going to win it every year i'm not i'm not like uh, you know, high on our own supply. I'm not just out of my mind with Georgia confidence, but I know for a fact, if we can maintain this level in this window, which is so crucial given all the changes, because look, you're talking about a USC team that's in the top six, seven. There wasn't anything last year, but because of, you know, the new way of transfers and just basically the college football looking a lot more like the NBA where all of a sudden people can just come out in droves and create super teams overnight. It it that that's the threat to Georgia. That is the threat. 
that's the threat. But hey, we're 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 seeing that it, it's like the the waves of uh, zombies back in the Call of Duty days. It's like you know if you can just survive certain waves. Georgia's and it's the same spot. thing. USC did the same thing. It's the same thing with Tennessee. Like these teams have these these surges. The difference with Georgia is can you sustain that surge? If you lose a senior class and your top quarterback like LSU 2019, can you come back and have another year where you're going back to back or, you know, just making a prominent bowl game? That's hard to do. The transfer portal doesn't really allow you that. And we've seen it here in Georgia. When you have success, you're going to start losing assistant coaches. And speaking of assistant coaches, I just want to give a quick shout out to the one who ended up pulling Samuel Mpemba, and that is uh, Kadira Uzo-Duribe from Colorado, the outside linebackers coach. He's done a great job. He's also got a commitment from Gabe Harris, Pimba's teammate at IMG Academy. So um, just just a, a great job by the assistants here. You're going to start hearing the Todd Munkins going to get interviewed for head coaching jobs. You're going to hear uh, Scott uh, Scott Trey or Trey Scott, Trey Scott, excuse me, oh, defensive yeah. line coach, start getting just the way we saw Dan Lanning at Oregon. So like Nick Saban had to go through it. We'll go through it. And but we are a sustainable program. And I think that just bodes well for the University of Georgia. But it's not just Samuel and Pimba that we have to be excited about. We also, it's flip season for the University of Georgia. And we have uh, a commitment from Jamal Merriweather, a three-star offensive tackle from Brunswick, Georgia. He flipped from UCF. He was a longtime commitment there, but was really wanting to get an offer from Georgia. And as soon as he got it, he had to call the coaching staff down there and just tell them like, hey, listen, you got to understand. And I'm sure they do. So he is now a member of uh, the 2023 class. And then another big commitment, and I do not get excited about really commitments past the year after the current cycle, but five-star Jaden Perlo, linebacker from Buford for 2025. And honestly, the thing that makes me the most excited is getting a commitment from a Buford player. How many times have we missed out on elite talent right down the road? It infuriates me. So this is big that we're actually having a player from the Buford High School commit to the University of Georgia. So five-star outside of that and linebacker for sure. Like, will Glenn Schumann even be here? But, you know, no hats off for the University of Georgia and that staff for pulling a a Buford player. Not, not, Not easy to do. Not at all. And and right now what has worked so well for Georgia is the blueprint of elite, elite defense mixed in with really, really good offense. And now it's tearing towards elite offense. But that's what these – that if it's not broke, don't fix it. And at the end of the day, we're set up for that. And who's to say we can't get, you know, the right elite guy on the offense if we are even lacking in that area. But it seems to me the receivers want to play for the Georgia. The 2024 class – Offense, offense, offense. Just the heads up right there. It's nasty. Exactly. So I think next, and we'll we'll get into it later when it's time, but next year is going to be a big test because you talk about how things have gone well in waves, and Georgia has done an amazing, amazing job at really planning their waves and filling spots in a way that's going to time out properly. When we need a freshman to play, we got the right one. We got the right five-star to step in. You know, so that is – I don't know if it's – I think it's – you know, uh, good luck is when hard work and preparation meet. You know what I'm saying? And several so, freshmen made the All-SEC team, by the way. Malachi, Michael, and I cannot remember the third one. But, again, those seeds have already been planted. These guys are going to move from All-SEC freshmen to All-SEC overall to think, second-team All-American. That, that's what's coming. That's what's coming. 
that is amazing and something that is goes back to just recruiting in your own program sometimes it's going to be better for these guys to come back their senior year chris smith a great example of the perfect example all american all american because he came back and he's experienced he's up here in between the ears he is one of the best DBs in the country. And you you saw it in the SEC championship game. You saw it last year, pick six against Clemson. He has been, again, him and Stetson, our senior, senior guys, have been crucial to the champion, to the trophies that we've hoisted in this program. Not to be discounted. And they're both getting paid for it one way or another. One way or another, yes. If, if Stetson doesn't have an NFL career, he's going to get money for the rest of his life for coming, for coming back. You know what I'm saying? Like, he will have... At least the car dealership in Athens. <laughs> like my my dude, he'll be selling that insurance, bro. He'll be he'll be killing it. But he might even have it. I'm not gonna sell it short. <laughs> you right. Everybody everybody sells sets and short. It's got like got receipts sent to him after the fact. So it's a, it's a long list of people that sold him short. So I won't, <laughs> I won't even do it. But I mean, guys coming back, and then you contrast that con- contrast that with someone like Anthony Richardson, you know. Just wanting to get out of Dodge and right. get get his NFL paycheck. And sometimes that works out well for guys. Sometimes but, it does not. Yeah. But just come back and develop. Develop. Like, it hurts you not. It it really it if you're gosh, it, if you're if it's really gonna hurt you, if you're really one of those guys that is gonna hurt you, then yeah, you belong in the league. But a lot of these guys get told they belong in the league. They look at the Mel Kuyper list. They, uh, their agents are getting paid. That's why they get told that their yeah, agents get a paycheck. Exactly. Maybe an a, a, a anxious uncle who's got some bills to pay. I'm telling you. Maybe a maybe a cousin that wants a new whip and wants to you know roll. And out everybody, and your cousin too, when you about to go to the league. Everybody everybody's your cousin. your cousin. All of a sudden, you got cousins you didn't even know you. Right. <laughs> so it's it's crazy. The it's it's kind of toxic, and honestly, it's not good for a lot of these dudes' careers. I'm not gonna. It's a case by case basis. Can't make blanket statements. Wish them all the best, but yeah, it's yeah. Georgia's got a culture right now of bringing guys back. When when you could have been like, oh, they could have gone. Sony, Nick Chubb, came no, back. No, Nolan Smith. Like, like it's a big part of Georgia's success. There's a well, we can get into it as it goes along, but guys like Keeley, who really could go to the league. Man, if you stay, you could be a top five pick potentially or something like that. Yeah, you know get a big old bag. Get a big old bag. Yeah, like for yeah. some of these guys, it's like, yeah, you could go to the league today, but you could be a top 10 pick tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like Trev- Trevor Walker. Trevor Walker did not get a bunch of playing time when he could have. Exactly. He waited his turn. He came back and developed and went number. You know what it means to go number one overall? Do you know what that means? Like is financially, financially. Oh, you're set. You're set. You're good. You're good. Like you really are good. Like, Everybody's good. <laughs> and you stayed long enough to develop, like chances of you busting, quote unquote, are very low. You know what I mean? Like you're you're just, you're ready. You're more mature. You handle situations a little bit better from the media to practice to all these things. Like Kirby has proven time and time again, if you stay in my system and you develop, you will get paid. I promise you. But in this society today, it is hard. But shout out to Kirby for really trying to establish like some really tangible you know guidance for these kids moving forward wherever they wherever they end up the proof is in the pudding and if you can get guys to buy in at a level that says hey we really trust what's going on here yeah sure it benefits georgia to have everybody come back you know why didn't matt stafford and aj green come back it's like hey buddy they had pretty good careers right hall of famers but at the same time not everyone is at that clip and the thing is is when you're really really good 
man, everyone thinks they're at that clip. That's the problem. Yeah. It's, it's a numbers game. It's like, guys, like, look at any first round in the NFL draft the last 10 years. Dude, like, at least, I'm just going to say, like, generously, like, or conservatively, a third of the, those guys every year don't really pan out. Yeah. First, first rounders, in my Yeah, issue. first rounders. And that's a, but, it's very so true. My only thing to any of these dudes, I hope you get your bag, but just be a student of history. You know, just just know there are plenty of dudes who've come before you who are ten, you know, five stars, promise this, promise that. Hey man, there's nothing wrong with selling insurance, talking about the glory days, like you're uh like you're the dude from karate kids selling cars or whatever, talking about that one kick you had. But I'm just saying. You, you best recognize, be a student of the game, and what Kirby's doing for these guys. He wants them to succeed. We all want them to have great NFL careers, whatever. Check, make their paychecks. But that's something to look going into next season. It's like who comes back that could go? Because that because here recently, every year that George has done really well, there's been a bunch of guys that could have gone that come back. So something to keep an eye on. And man, we're recruiting at an elite level, moving moving things the right way. We're talking about you know. Uh, a wave of success in the NIL era, in the expanded college playoff era. Football, college football is changing, and Georgia is riding the wave in the right way. They're not, you know, uh, getting outdated or outplayed or anything. I mean, credit to the staff, Georgia, credit to the fan base, credit credit to just dog nation, period, wanting this so bad. Like, I don't know, I don't necessarily believe in, like, Man, like you know, you just manifest something, but like Georgia has really wanted this for a long, long time. They brought in someone like Mark Rick in a playoff vision in a playoff world. That dude would have been in the playoff conversation so many times. And you know, here we are now. Uh, what year six, year six, Kirby? Year, year six, is that right? I want to say this is seven, I want to say six is the title year, seven, okay, which is the year of completion from a biblical folk out there, absolutely. But- but for Kirby, we never done. All right. <laughs> We're gonna keep on. He just working. works too hard. He just works too hard. And and honestly, along with recruiting, I'm very confident. I think Ohio State was the worst draw that we could have gotten. But I still have this sense of confidence that Kirby, if Kirby has time to prepare for your team and your team primarily focuses on the strengths or the ability of your quarterback, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. We talked about the bump and run coverage. We've talked about Jalen Carter. We haven't even talked about our linebackers and how well they've played coming into the postseason. But there's a, there's a lot of football left, and Kirby just breeds a lot of confidence within the program, within the fan base, and I think he's really just got the University of Georgia in a, with a little bit of humility and just a, a very, very good position to succeed. But it is not just the University of Georgia that is going on to have bowl game or an opportunity to win the championship. We have bowl season here in about two weeks or so coming up and it'll start with the uh, i love bowl season like when it's just football all the time every day for a few days keegan this warrants a very special pick six selection how are you feeling about the bowl games different conferences different parts of the country people opting out going to the nfl transfer names already out there and also bill norton has hopped in for um, those who pay attention to the UGA side of it, the one transfer guy we have, Bill Norton, he hasn't had a lot of playing time. He, I think they can still come back after they declare, if I'm not mistaken. But um, wherever he goes, um, I wish him luck if he decides to stick with it. Yeah, 
this bowl season is interesting because, you know, a lot of guys do want to opt out. And for a select handful of dudes, that is really, you know, their MO and it's relevant. They have an NFL future. Hey, if that's, you know, their business decision they want to make, so be it. But this is an opportunity for guys to get better, to go play with their teammates, to to do something for a program and accomplish something. A bowl win is a big deal still. And, you know, for a lot of these programs – it's it's the biggest deal. You know, even when we expand the college football playoff, that's 12 teams, right? Maybe they expand it to even more teams one day, but there's 132 FBS programs, right? So that leaves 120 programs just sitting. Okay, now in the Georgia, Alabama, you know, Oklahoma, Clemson, whatever these elite teams that have kind of been in the playoff the last few years, yeah, sure, that's like our paradigm. That's kind of how we measure success. We want those playoff spots. That's kind of what we're – expecting to do but that is not the reality of college football at large which is why expanding the playoffs is good but man so many programs it means a lot to go to a bowl season you know some of these teams that they might may have just had a losing season the year before or, or a couple years before and now they got six wins and they can go do something at the end of the season they keep practicing with their brothers they might not have the nfl careers and you know a lot of the purity and the passion that makes college football so great is from these bowl games that might not matter as much in terms of what the marketing department can do in terms of revenue or, you know, what NFL scouts are watching it. This is still college football at its finest. It's bowl season. It means a big deal. And this whole like narrative that it's just meaningless. Nah, like it means a lot to a lot of teams, 12 teams in the future got to get in the playoffs. That's 120 teams. You tell me it doesn't matter to them if they have a bowl game or not. Like, because what, uh, one or two guys on each of those teams might have an NFL career? It, it still matters. So we'll we'll see how they do it in the future. But I like having bowl games between now, you know, end of the season in the playoffs because you don't want a dead period where there's just no games and then there's a playoffs. We have, a, uh, you know, a champion decided – and all of a sudden now we got all these bowl games that really don't matter at that point. In, in a way, they matter less to me. So I'm excited for bowl season. I'm excited for a lot of these games. And, man, it's put up or shut up time for a lot of these teams that, you know, talk about, oh, we should – it should have been this, it should have been that. We should be in the – you know, in the playoffs. We'll prove it. You know what I mean? Oh, we don't got, you know, fill-in-the-blank star because they're opting out or fill-in-the-blank un, unhappy player because they're transferring. Show me the merit of your team. Don't just, like – all these fans, it's like, oh, it, it's the end of the season. I don't care now. It's like, it's the, oh, uh, so-and-so's not playing. Hinton Hooker's hurt, so Tennessee, it doesn't matter. It's Tennessee and Clemson. Speaking of one a great team or a great game, you know, both of these programs thought they, you know, belonged in the college football playoff at one point in the season. That's going to be a great game. I want to see that. I want to see how that momentum carries over. Like Georgia's had some big wins in off seasons where it carried over to the next year. So you cannot tell me it doesn't matter. I'm excited for college football bowl season. In fact, I'm almost more excited now than ever because we've put, we've paid so close attention. And if you're really paying attention, you can really appreciate the, the parody in college football and how competitive and entertaining a lot of these games have been. So what kind of games are you looking forward to? I know we got our pick six, but uh, my, my boy over here, I'm all caffeinated, so I'm just excited about it. But uh, what games are you looking to watch, and are you going to set some time aside to make sure you don't uh, scroll over them with the, the NBA games and all the, the TV competitions, got those uh, 
those Christmas movies are popping on. Like what, 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 what games are going to beat out your favorite Christmas movies? <laughs> uh, I think one that I'm interested in just because of the venue is I believe it's Florida and Oregon state that are playing in Vegas. I think that'd be really cool for both programs, get an opportunity to do that. You mentioned uh, Tennessee and Clemson. Uh, really looking forward to that game. Oregon, Orange Bowl. Oregon versus UNC. Oh, that's a lot of orange there. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame and South Carolina. Are they for real? Is, uh, is their quarterback on some sort of tear the way he's been playing, taking down multiple programs? I mean, what if Utah Penn state looks like to be a good game. And then also Bama's game versus Kansas state. And then I think USC got stuck with, oh, I can't remember who they got stuck with, but I picked them in that game. Tulsa, maybe Tulsa, maybe. So a lot of good football out there. And I think as far as the picks, I want to hear your picks, but I think I'm going to lean a little bit on the defensive teams to come out with victories just because they have a lot of time to to prep yeah UT Clemson is going to be interesting to me because we don't really know what to expect out of I think Joe Milton's his name uh and you know Tennessee fans want to know what who's our guy like is this the guy and that that that's the thing about these bowl games they answer a lot of questions it's kind of like oh spring games don't matter they matter to the players they matter to the fans they're really about it so I'm looking to see that game pop off. I want to see what Cade Klubnick does for Clemson. So I'm really excited about that. Very curious. Man, it's hard to know which way to lean, but I'm just going to go Tennessee because the ACC is so soft. Clemson has been, uh, you know, kind of getting lucky. The, now they got a QB supposedly, but I, I'm going to go with Tennessee in that one. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Who do you, do you think Clemson is going to pour it on, or what, what's? Uh... Yeah, give me Clemson. I like the backup quarterback and what I saw in the ACC championship from him. And again, Clemson's got good defense, which I think is going to affect Tennessee. And they don't have good defense, so in a close one, give me Clemson. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Now another big game, and you kind of mentioned Oregon versus UNC. Now. Dan Lanning, Bo Nix, Bo, I think Bo Nix, could he come back? I want to say he could come back. So um, not not sure if he will or what his uh, status is there. But, I mean, I like Oregon finishing strong. I'm rooting for Dan Lanning. Always been a little uh, Ducks uh, sympathizer or whatever because they got the flyest jerseys in college football, supposedly. So, you know, I, I like Dan Lanning taking it out there. What Do you think UNC, Mac Brown, uh, you know, potential Heisman winner. I'm going Oregon again here. I like their defense. I'm not sure about Bo Nix's eligibility. They have a couple of players who could go to the NFL or are getting close to that time. But really the main reason I'm doing it is because Drake May, the Heisman hopeful, has entered the uh, transfer portal. So he, he did. So they are dealing with the storylines, the distractions about their future. They are not going to be focused. They've ended the season unless they have a really good backup. But Drake, Drake May is a uh, I want to say a freshman or a redshirt freshman or something like that. So their, their future is uncertain. So in the midst of that, give me Oregon to come out on top. And uh, another matchup, I'm going to go – I've been going defense here with these picks. I'm going Notre Dame over South Carolina. I do like what their quarterback is doing over there, and his name is escaping me right now. Uh, but give me Notre Dame. They've kind of ended the season – just really emphasizing their defense and it's got him a couple wins. So give me Notre Dame there. Do you have, do you have a pick on that game? 
So I think I think Dre May came out and made a statement saying he would actually stay at UNC. He there was like a lot of reports that he was definitely going, and that seemed to be where it was leaning. But he's at least on Twitter as a couple of days. We'll stay posted, maybe. Well, that's good. Well, then you have no distractions, and that's what they're going to ask him about all week long. So just because of the distraction, give me give me Oregon in that game. Still Oregon. All right, I like that pick, and I like you know, man, I think. I think South Carolina's for real. I think Spencer Rattler's turned it on. I don't know what they got in his milk. The protein's gone up or what. That's kind of all jokes. Now, uh, <laughs> let's not get you sawed on them just yet. But I think that I like South Carolina pushing pushing Notre Dame here. I mean, I I, I enjoy that pick, but also I'm going SEC, bro. <laughs> no. Fair enough. Yeah. And then Utah, Penn State. Who, who do you like there? You, dude, I'm going Utah. Cam Rising could come back, really make Utah a playoff contender next year. I uh, kind of hope that happens just to make college football interesting. So I'm going Utah on that one. For no good reason, I'm going to go Penn State there. I, I just think outside of both Michigan and uh, Ohio State that they were a very quality team, but not a lot of recognition because they didn't beat those two or either or however the divisions fell. But, yeah, give me Penn State there. Okay. Like that. Did you did you have any did you have any thoughts on the Bama game and USC? I want to say it was Kansas State Bama's playing and then Tulane for USC. Do you see any ups any upsets there? And I wish Kansas State and Tulane played and Bama and USC played. Now, see, that yeah. see that see yeah that that's what I'm talking about. That yeah, been yeah. A sexy matchup. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't. Anyways, yeah, that makes so much more sense. Way more sense. Way huh. more. Good call on that. So I'm guessing we're taking Bama and USC. I guess and both. So yeah. Like okay. Boring, boring picks. But I mean, yeah, what do you expect? I mean, okay. if Bama, dude, if Bama loses to Kansas State, Nick Saban is going to probably just, I don't know if he's going to retire early, but he's probably going to do something late. I don't take a cruise, maybe just skip the spring practice. Right. Like, I, credit to Alabama and their ability to stay at the top. But yeah, we'll see. And Bama is one of those teams. They really could have like a ton of dudes opting out. I haven't really paid attention to uh, their transfer. I know They've they got several. They've got most teams. Most teams have several. Really, yeah. honestly, most teams have several. From what I've seen. So we'll see how that goes into play. Because to me, Kansas State's, uh, you know, one of the teams that won't have that issue as much. So uh, yeah. So we'll see on that. I'm going. I guess we'll go Bama and USC. Okay. Cool. And what we'll do is since we're since we're one of the four teams, we'll save. We'll save Michigan's game and TCU's game. We'll pick, we'll make that pick when we preview oh, sure. Ohio State and we get down to the nitty-gritty of the final four because that's what matters going forward. But a lot of a lot of football between now and then, a lot of time between now and then, recruiting. Um, so honestly, as a Georgia fan, you really do need to be happy because this is this is really unprecedented where we're at. And the best part is just Kirby has his head on head on right. And like, he's not overblowing the situation, but I think he realizes this is rarefied air, but he does the work. He puts in the time. And honestly, you can ask for a better captain steering the ship. You really, you really couldn't. And that's where all of my confidence comes from. Even though this team is <laughs> very talented, which helps the, the guy making the calls and calling the shots knows what he's doing, knows football, loves football, loves this program and loves these kids. You can't, you can't ask for a better head coach. Amen. Kirby doing everything he should. Got a great vision for the program. And like, uh, man, dude, it's, if they finish this window, and I know I already harped on it, but if they can get this window, 
And they're already at number two recruiting class. So it's like, what are you even talking about, Keegan, this window? I'm saying if they can finish with an elite level, man, these these waves of players coming back, y'all just – I mean, I'm not saying y'all hand us the trophy or nothing like that. We still have to play these games. We, could, we can uh, pontificate all we want to. But Kirby's got us in a right, 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 right spot. The castle is strong. The, your, uh, your, your strongest orcs just couldn't break through. The front door and uh and the elves just arrived that's my that's my that's my two cents on that so yeah georgia looking good man and uh you're right kirby kirby has done all he deserves that award and every other award um that he that he could be in contention for so kudos to kirby kudos to georgia kudos to these fans and or hey, we'll say it again we're living in the glory days so we're, yes. we're living in the glory days and honestly dog nation i hope that you uh, let's see, let's see how the postseason ends up, but you know, take this all in outside of the 1980s, which a lot, a lot of us weren't here for that. Some of you may be, but this is, this is, it really is rarefied air. And I just think it's uh, good to just appreciate it while it's here because it won't, it, it won't last. So let's just soak it up for the time being. And, uh, dog nation, I appreciate you. Keegan, I appreciate you as well. Uh, if you guys, you know, this one's going to have a bunch of content, a lot of stuff to talk about, but go to, you know, whether you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave a comment, like, subscribe to the show, give us some feedback. We're always open to it. And we hope that you guys will be here with us when we preview Ohio State for the semifinal game. And as Sorry. always, guys, you know what it is. Off the leash. Off the leash. <laughs>